Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And this idea of the Kingdom of God, or the Keys of the Kingdom, is the keys to liberty under God. And then we can actually talk, and we'll probably talk about it this weekend, about what does it mean, liberty under God? Is is, is God some sort of celestial dictator that's telling us what we can do and what we can't do, putting us into a limited box of activities, Or is the whole story of the Bible trying to explain how the universe actually works? I mean, it starts off with Genesis talking about the idea that there is some sort of divine creator, divine intelligence. It's created everything. We call this intelligence God. And he's got these rules, but they seem to be built in, as uh, one physicist referred to, as somebody has been monkeying with with creation, whether it's Big Bang or not. And really what it is, is the Bible is full of very brilliant, intelligent, philosophical ideas, often written down in metaphors and almost a code. And uh, the problem is, is that we think it's, you know, that we put the Bible over here and religion over here, and then all the other things that we really care about, you know, law and the, and freedom and liberty over here. And the reality is the book, according to the guy who originally translated it into English in the Ford, it says, this book is for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Now, I fully admit that if you look at a lot of Christians out there, you say, well, they're not interested in my rights. They're not interested in my freedom. They're not interested in liberty. They're not interested in tyranny. They don't know what to do. They're all just waiting for Jesus to come back and fix everything. Well, yeah, but are they even really Christians? Are they really, do they really even know what the Bible says? And we're going to do a little exercise today because I've done uh, three hours on this measure 114 that passed in Oregon. And again, the reason we're addressing this is, is to some degree this same reason we did the Article 2, Section 22 uh, series when that was within the grasp of Oregonian voters to do something about the vast amount of corruption going on in the government. Uh, more so than most people even begin to realize. Even people in government don't realize how much corruption, how many millions and billions of dollars are being siphoned out of the pockets of the people into the pockets of the elite. Uh, they they know there's corruption, but how much they don't know. And the truth is, both sides, Democratic and Republican, aren't going to really reveal that. Because they are a part of the machine. And, and then people put a lot of hopes on uh, people like Donald Trump because he wasn't a part of supposedly the machine. But I, I don't think people realize how big the machine really is. And if you really knew, it would probably be too scary. So what we're going to try to show you is to show you how easily it was to deceive vast numbers of the voters, even if, even then, the vote may not have been honest there with mail-in votes. We don't know it like what Stalin said. It's not who votes. It's who counts the votes. <laughs> that's, that's really what makes a difference. But the reality is that the forces in the universe, the forces in nature, the forces in the way the universe works can help set you free. But you need to go down that road. You need to have that conversation with the world around you in order to implement this thing that they refer to in the Bible as the perfect law of liberty, which we're actually, you know, the bad guy in this story going to seem at first to be a minister of a church, but the reality is the problem goes so deep that it actually goes in you. You can't do much about all these other people, but you can do something about you. So we're going to reveal some facts I haven't seen anybody else point out. Uh, in any way in relationship to this measure 114, which is a, an extreme attack on the right to bear arms. And the right to bear arms is simply the right to self-defense. And we've done, I've done lots of articles and studies, and they've been used by 
police academies to teach their people exactly what this Second Amendment is all about. And uh, But we give it all to you for free. And uh, we're going to rush through it really quick because, like I said, I've already done three hours on this. We'll put them all up on our page called Measured at PreparingYou.com. Well, Measured at PreparingYou.com is talking about more than just Measure 113. Because, again, the reason we're looking at this is so that you measure yourself to see, have you been fooled? Now, I've talked to a lot of people, uh, gunsmiths, gun owners, people in government who say, well, this is a clear infringement upon the right to bear arms in the Second Amendment. I I conversed with sheriffs who aren't going to support this and sheriffs who say, well, this is an infringement on our privilege to own guns. And, of course, owning a gun is not necessarily a privilege. Although, if you if you look at the whole big picture, you will see they don't have the right to infringe upon your right to bear arms, but they can take away about all of the property you think you own. <laughs> so, the reality is, it's like every man in prison has just as much freedom as you do. It's just those bars keep getting in the way. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to show you how some of these bars are created and constructed, even constructed by your own ignorance. Because we don't want you to be ignorant because we know that you can't be free and be ignorant at the same time. So, I start off talking about this measure which is called Changes to Firearm Ownership and Purchase Requirements Initiative. Which is this measure 114. And it does infringe on the exercise of a natural right to bear arms in self-defense and for the protection of your family and for the protection of your community. Which is what that Second Amendment was about. It was about barring government from infringing upon the fourth branch of government. And it was specifically targeting the one of the three branches of government, which was the legislature. The legislature could make no law. Well, if the legislature can't make any law, if the people decide to legislate, can they infringe upon the right to bear arms. And of course now if the state wants to change their constitution so that they infringe upon the individual's right in the individual states, you have to take into consideration the fact that today the citizens in the state are actually citizens of the United States. And so that's where the Second Amendment will actually come in. But it actually is doing it in a roundabout sort of way that we can't get into explaining here. All of our podcasts are available, hundreds and hundreds of recordings. I guess we're in the thousands of recordings now, going over things like law, justice, and mercy, and faith. Because that's what Jesus said was the weightier matters. Because the Bible is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's what Wycliffe's introduction says. It it mentions religion five times, mostly in a bad sense. It mentions government hundreds and hundreds of times, even thousands of times, talking about good governments, bad governments, the way to liberty, the way to bondage. It's telling you everything you need to know. But unfortunately, lots of ministers, lots of theologians, even lots of your fellow so-called Christians have been distorting what the book actually says. Now, me coming along and says, oh, it doesn't say that, it actually says this. I have to back it up with evidence, which is why we have thousands, tens of thousands of footnotes showing you exactly where we get the stuff that we get. But if you want to be free, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, which is freedom under God, and the right to be free without those bars, you need to understand the whole truth and provide for it. So there were opposition arguments uh, filed uh, that suggests impositions of some problems and a greater danger upon the residents if this is passed. And they talk about a $65 charge and they talk about Paul Dunifer, uh, chairman of a legislative committee of Oregon Hunters Association, talks about how it, it doesn't prevent violent crime and mass shootings because criminals will never comply. Well, that's true, but that's that's really not... An excellent argument. And they summed up these arguments. I see the same thing 
with a lot of other arguments that are going on. We'll address those in other shows and have already. But even the National Riflemen's Association, they talk about yet, yet another anti-gun ballot initiative that seeks to further erode the Second Amendment rights in Oregon. They're not Second Amendment rights. They're natural rights. They're not Second Amendment rights. You can refer to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment bars the government from infringing upon natural rights. If the National Riflemen's Association cannot even get the verbiage and vocabulary straight, no wonder everybody else is confused. But, of course, if you want your natural rights back, you have to take back your natural responsibilities. Even Kevin Sterrett, Executive Director of the Oregon Firearms Federation, says, Where do you suppose all the smaller towns who rely on private gun clubs for training are going to go for the live fire portion of the classes that we're going to supposedly have to take and the cost that will be created in them? The reality is I'm 75 miles from the nearest police station. Where are we going to rely on protection? We've had people coming through through our valley from Portland with guns intending to commit crimes. If we don't have those guns to protect us, 75 miles is a long way for a deputy to drive to save us. (laughs) But... The reality is it goes much deeper than that. But I just was looking at their arguments. They were terrible arguments. Well, the arguments that were pro this bill were so blatantly nonsensical that they could have done a a far better job in arguing against them. Like the League of Women Voters of Oregon believe that the proliferation of handguns and semi-automatic assault weapons poses a major health and safety threat to organs. I saw nobody arguing against that. And that is a total fictitious lie. It is an absolute fictitious by their own data. He says, they go on to say gun violence, the leading cause of premature death in the U.S. should be confronted with a sense of urgency and a range of evidence-based solutions which they don't have, and they're certainly not in Measure 114. The reality is, the major health and safety threat does not exist by their own data. And nobody on the opposing side did I find pointing that out. It's it's just amazing. And we'll take a look at some of those statistics. It goes on, uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, the communication director for our committee supporting Measure 114, says, I'm a gun owner. Like, so what does that have to do with anything? That has nothing to do with an argument. He says, myself and I believe that people should be able to possess guns. But obviously the status quo of our gun laws are not working. Are they not working? And what do you expect from your gun laws? Is it really gun laws that are causing all the deaths that they say is this health threat? No, we're going to take a look at some of the facts. that The guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, Penny uh, Akamoto, Executive Director of Oregon Educational Foundation, uh, says permit to purchase has been shown to reduce suicides and homicides. Has it? Homicides by 28% when Connecticut enacted theirs and suicides by 33% when Connecticut enacted their permit to purchase. Okay, well, first thing I'd ask, is this the same thing that you're asking? Is their, is their enactment the same as what they're presenting here in Measure 114? No, it's nowhere close to the same thing. And then let's take a look at those statistics over a longer period of time instead of cherry pick them. She talks about homicides, 28% reduction. And there were, even there was a reduction in Australia when they confiscated a lot of guns. But uh, that reduction was temporary. Mass shootings have still taken place at, uh, at an exorbitant level. Suicides still exist. The reality is, is that these they're cherry picking their statistics. And statistics do lie. You can, you can read the book, How to Lie with Statistics, uh, which actually I, 
Somebody told me that Bill Gates had recommended that book, How to Lie with Statistics, uh, written by a journalist, Daryl Huff. Uh, it's actually a pretty old book, 1954. He did recommend it. I actually heard it out of his own mouth. So, <laughs> you know, I always I hear these things and you think, oh, like, what the heck? Uh, is that somebody just making this up? So I actually go out and research it. He did recommend it. But the reality is we've known about it for a long time. The question is, what is the truth? And are you actually getting it from anyone? And that's what we try to do here at the Keys of the Kingdom. We try to tell you the truth. You know, Patrick Henry, who gave this speech, we used to have to memorize it in school when I was a kid. Most kids don't even know about it, and they certainly don't know what it was meant by it. Or I was just talking to somebody who works for the schools yesterday. They they don't know what that speech was all about, why they wrote it. They actually wrote it because... He wrote it because a preacher was being forced to get a license to preach, to be a preacher. And that's why he wrote it. And he was being forced by actually scourging him in, in public street until he actually died. Uh, that's the kind of thing they were facing. Now, he said, oh, we don't do that anymore. But the same principles apply. And the fact is, people do die in the streets all the time. And they die in the streets because of a spirit that dwells in the hearts of the people. And that spirit is not the spirit of responsibility because it isn't your gun laws that are supposed to work. It's your communities that are supposed to work. And where your community takes back its responsibility and the proper characteristics of a free society and recreates those social bonds, which we also write about this article on social bonds, that uh, recent uh, doctors and have been talking about that is why the government was able to get away with so much during the shutdowns and mass mandates and vaccine mandates. It's because those social bonds have degenerated. And we show you where historians going back 100 years, going back 1,000 years, going back 2,000 years, have said that if you break down those social bonds, you will end up under tyrants. Uh, early Americans knew this, and this is what made America great, was that there was something we were doing that we do not do anymore that has broken down those social bonds that help maintain liberty in America in the face of the armies of King George, other invasions, 1812, etc., and invasions yet to come. But we need to restore those social bonds if we wish to restore liberty. But anyway, Patrick Henry, let me just read his quote uh, from his speech. It is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. And that's actually what you see in the riots we saw before COVID or during the early parts of COVID. Those riots are the signs of that beast nature growing amongst us in, in the communities. And that beast nature knows no race. But it does come about because of certain social practices that are promoted by the laws of this country that also promotes violence in the street. But reality is I can show you where there is no violence in the streets. There is no people being shot on a regular basis. And it's because by the nature of the community, they have just taken back a small portion of those responsibilities and has made a vast difference in the safety of the community, whether they all have to lock their doors and lock their cars. and, and That safety is pervasive in a community that takes back those responsibilities. So he go, went on to say that uh, transforms us into beasts. And of course, like I said, I can go all the way back to hundred years before Christ and people were warning if you go a certain way in your society which is the way we have gone a way of which is a lot more damning a lot more damaging to our society than measure 114 and it goes completely unnoticed and unchecked by the average citizen and the beautiful thing is once you understand what it is and what all the social reformers have you know good social reformers have done over the long history of mankind. If we, we, we can do that without legislation. We don't need legislation. I'm not saying that you can't try to get certain legislation in, but it isn't legislation driven. 
it's driven by the hearts and minds of people who love freedom, not only for themselves, but for others. Patrick goes on to say, is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not? The thing which so nearly concerned their temporal salvation. And that's what we're going to try to show you. We're going to show you what you didn't hear and what you didn't see and what a lot of other people didn't hear or see. So that you can understand what the real problem is. Because they're wearing you out with all these little battles. All these little elections. And it frustrates people. And people become, oh, I, I, we lost everything. And the, the, you know, we didn't get the red wave. And, and, and I just give up. There's no, no, there is hope. There is a way. We just have to know what Patrick Henry was talking about. For my part, whatever anguish of the spirit, it may cost. And it will cost. I am willing to know the whole truth. To know the worst. And provide for it. So that's what we're going to try to help you do today. Is to know the whole truth. And provide for it. And the the truth is. When they talk about health crisis. What health crisis? You know because um, Mark Knudsen. Who is the major sponsor of this reverend. So called reverend Mark Knudsen. And I talked about him in other recordings, but, you know, he says, I hope it shows how residents in a state can come together from many directions and address the public health crisis of gun violence with common sense and well put together legislation. I hope that people are inspired to say, we can do this. You know, yes, we can. Well, and they did it. It was by vote, by deception. Uh, but what they didn't do is produce a well-put-together legislation. <laughs> well, it might be well-put-together for the things that they wanted to accomplish. And I hope that guys fight it. But what I hope more than anything else is that you start seeing the truth and the real problem. And measure what the real threat is. Because the real threat is not measure 114. It, it, the, measure 114 is a symptom. The fact that they got it p- passed is a symptom of ignorance and the ability and the willingness of people to accept lies. The idea that there is a health crisis of gun violence in Oregon is absolutely nonsense. You're told these things all over, over and over again. But the reality, I mean, you were told all kinds of things during the pandemic or pandemic or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And some things I'll say here because we're not completely censored yet. You really want to know what's going on behind the scenes. You have to get down to the whole truth. And the whole truth is unpublishable. <laughs> Although we have published a lot of books and they're all free online. You don't have to pay us. You don't have to get, sign up with a membership. But I would advise you to sign up with our network. You go to preparingyou.com. And you also go to hisholychurch.org and join the network. And the network will help you create, it's just an email network, it will help you create an actual physical network where you can actually restore those social bonds which are absolutely essential for freedom in a nation. And those social bonds are completely free assemblies of people. They're not there to tickle your ears, but they're here to share real truth with you and care, learn to care about your neighbor's rights as much as you care about your own. Because if you don't do that, if you don't get to that point, you can figure that there will be more and more erosion of rights, more and more influence of power without a network of honest, God-fearing, loving people who are willing to know the whole truth and provide for it. You get another guess because that's not going to happen. What is this health threat? The idea that the presence of arms or the capacity to hold more than 10 bullets is a health crisis is a repeated false claim that we saw over and over again. And instead of people addressing, that's just simply not true. I understand entirely that the media is biased. The media is controlled. They have a narrative they just keep pushing. But you need to know the whole truth and you need to know it in a network of people that are willing to know the whole truth. But it will be up to you. And that's what you need. You don't need more legislation. Certainly people can get together. Because this is a sure, clear violation 
of the terms of the Second Amendment. But uh, because of the fact that it was only in one state, you can't do that. You're infringing upon everybody's right in the state. And, and this is not the first time this has happened. But this is, by many people's standards, the worst violation we've seen in a long time. But it got passed. And it got passed because people believe that there actually is a health crisis, a safety crisis in Oregon. So the reality is cancer is the leading cause of death in Oregon. Heart disease is right up there. Obesity causes far more deaths than guns do. And, of course, obesity contributes to more likely to get cancer, more likely to have heart disease, more likely to have, have diabetes, all, and more likely to die from COVID if you're obese. But nobody's out there outlawing food. <laughs> Uh, although they may curtail the amount of food you have on your shelves eventually. But if you look at the actual data, in fact, 18.7 deaths from drug overdoses per 100,000 residents far exceeds the injury death rate from firearms, which have uh, been claimed to be only 13 per 100,000. So drug overdoses are far more dangerous than than guns. But the deception even goes farther down than that. I mean, it's just staggering. If you just look, look at the numbers, do the math. The statistics from the Center for Disease Control Prevention, the, the notorious CDC, tells us that the increase in gun fatalities is due to the growth in population and actually remains below the levels of earlier years. So this health crisis, you know, he mentions, oh, we've already had two shootings so far this year. Yeah, amongst millions and millions and millions of people. There is no increase, according to the CDC. It's actually below the levels of previous years. So that every newsman should have just thrown out this attempt to create this because it's based on a false premise. There is no health crisis. There is no safety crisis. Just based on the bare statistics that they have actually inflated, and we'll show you how they inflated it, because the 13 per 100,000 deaths is injury death rates. What does that mean? Death is an injury, yeah, but why do you say injury death rates? It doesn't say homicides. There isn't 13 homicides per 100,000 people. People aren't running around down the streets shooting people left and right. They make a big deal out of it. It's kind of like the old shark attack deal. They're saying, oh, shark attacks. We've got all these videos of shark attacks. Sharks, what's driving the sharks to kill all these people and attack all these people and bite all these people? And they went over to ask an expert and they says, what, what is driving all these shark attacks? And he said, they're actually down. We have less shark attacks now than we had before. This is a few years ago when they were doing this. And I thought, like, what? What? But I, I saw on the news, shark attack here, and then on another news, over in another place, shark attack. Well, what was driving the shark attacks was video cameras. Everybody was videoing them. There was less shark attacks than normal, but there was a lot more video than normal. So the media can create this appearance that there's all this death and mayhem due to guns. But what is really actually happening? The truth will give us a measure of how far this deception by the proponents of Measure 114 have actually gone. Willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and provide for it is absolutely an essential part of what we need to be doing. And we haven't been doing that. Deception has been employed to drive public opinion, inducing fear with falsehoods, moving the mind of the people by media of mendacity, sealing the very souls and minds of the people in self-serving virtue signaling, so that the people who are advocating this, they think they're actually saving us from a health threat. But deaths and injuries due to the presence of firearms is actually down. It's down. It's not increasing. It's going down. Without Measure 114. 
So what, what? How far does this go? And it really goes even farther. We're not going to do as much as we could, but what is the actual rate caused by guns? Since the actual death rate remains below the level of earlier years, as the CDC says, what is causing the death rate as it is presented to us as our 13 per 100,000? Oregon Health Authority reported that 83% of the deaths in that statistic were the result not of homicides, but of suicides. Only 13% of that 13 per 100,000 being homicides, which occurs most often in the context of gang violence, which is basically drug violence. And also there's a certain number in intimate partner violence. Some of that intimate partner violence is actually coming out of gang violence, but they put it over intimate partner violence rather than gang violence. It's basically gang violence. That's the vast majority of the actual homicides. But 83% of the deaths are actually suicides. So the gun violence caused by firearms, homicide is not 13 per 100,000 but less than 2 per 100,000. It's actually far less than that if you get deeper into the statistics and how they're gathering them. But we've seen this with other things, how they gather these statistics. Now, admittedly, Oregon suicide rate, which is actually 20.4 per 100,000, is actually much, much higher in Oregon than many. I mean, we, we rate very high. But they're virtually lying to us with the statistics when they try to say, that guns are causing this death. No, suicide is causing the increase. Homicide deaths are actually somewhat down. Now, there is a factor that is increasing homicides. Again, most of those homicides are amongst gang violence, drug-related violence. Who is bringing in the drugs? Who is running these gangs? Because there, there are all kinds of different gangs. There's a lot of Hispanic gangs, and we can look at prison statistics to find out exactly what's going on there. But what we just showed you, it is not gun violence. It's suicide that made that number what it was. And even that number, as it was presented, is actually a decrease, according to the CDC. Using that 13 per 100, 1,000, that's actually lower than previous years. The real cause of the statistic they have for injured death related to firearms has nothing to do with homicides. It has to do with suicides. And if someone actually wants to talk about the real mental health crisis, which is suicide, and the suicide rate, which has increased 36% between 2000 and 2018, and, and the pandemic didn't do any good to decrease that. In the long run, there's more depression, more uh, anxiety, more suicides. Oregon had the nation's 13 highest suicide rate in 2020, according to the data, again, from the Center of Disease Control. Oregon Health Authority reported that 83% of the deaths uh, were the result of suicide that we see in that number of 13 per 100,000 firearm injury, gun violence. But uh, there's a lot of other ways in which people also cause themselves to die and suicide, and that's why the number is up as high as it is. So it isn't guns that cause the suicide. There's 906 people died by suicide in Oregon that was down to 833. It actually looks like it's even going to be more this year, uh, because but we're still counting. With that rate of 20.4 per 100,000 in suicides, many of those are injuries by firearms. And so some people might say, well, if we take the firearms away, they won't commit suicide. Well, you could say that, but if you go over and look at a country like Netherlands, which is actually rated 
as the fifth happiest country in the world, has almost no guns, but still has a very high suicide rate. Not the highest in Europe. There are several, Austria is even higher than that, and people aren't walking around with guns in Austria. So how are they killing themselves in these countries? The reality, if you want to commit suicide, there are all kinds of ways of doing it. Some of them actually cause injury to all kinds of other people. Over 830 in one year killed themselves by hanging and strangulation. Another 330 or more killed themselves with drugs and medicine and alcohol. 200 jumped in front of trains, metro trains. So you have quite a number of people that are killing, that some are jumping also from high places uh, and causing themselves to drown, etc. That's another 200. This idea that Guns are killing all these people is just not true. The death rate in Oregon, the increased number of deaths is actually not due to increased gun violence. It's increased to higher population. So where's this higher population coming from? Uh, That's not coming from the birth rate. It's actually coming to some degree because there's sanctuary cities, there's homeless camps, and homeless camps where you have lots and lots of free government services. There's people going around helping people get a government check because they're homeless. And so they go to places like Portland that where the check is easily obtained. And there is a homeless community. And they hang out there. And, and the weather on the West Coast is a little bit better than it is over here. It was three degrees this morning. So that's where they go. That's where the murders are taking place. They're mostly gang murders. They're also happening mostly amongst the homeless camps and the peripheral crime that homeless camps bring into the community. But nobody wants to really address why there are homeless. They They address that the same as they suggests that somehow high-capacity magazines are the cause of all these deaths when most of the deaths are suicides. The vast majority of the deaths are suicides. And I can guarantee you high-capacity magazines aren't causing, aren't the cause of deaths by suicide. So it is just absolutely a deception. And it's patting yourself on the back with false virtue signaling because you're actually distracting from the real health crisis and and getting these laurels like uh, somehow you're making the world safe when you're actually making the population less safe to the real homicides that are going on, the spilling of violence. Again, the violence that we've seen in Oregon is due to increased population, not the amount of guns that are in the presence. So they're not even attacking the real problem. Now, that increased population, if you look at the demographics of that, now we're going to say, well, where are these demographics come from? So what Newton is actually doing is creating uh, an environment where there is more violence and less protection for the honest, law-abiding citizen. And how is he doing that? Well, he's a big advocate for no borders. He's a big advocate for bringing in uh, illegal aliens. He he actually helps them avoid ICE. There's 980 criminal aliens with outstanding immigrations and custom enforcement, that's ICE, detainers in Oregon State prisons as of July 1st, 2022. Why are there so many criminal aliens in there? And the, the vast majority of those are Hispanics or from other South American countries, they're not all from that. And, of course, this is not suggesting in any way that Hispanics are naturally more criminal. But what it is, is there is a criminal element coming into America. Because if you get caught in Mexico committing these violent crimes or selling drugs, you're going to go to a Mexican jail. If you go to a Oregonian jail, I know people who work in Oregonian prisons... It's like a country club. There's a lot less to be afraid of. And then, of course, if you have guys like Knudsen ringing his church bell every time ICE is in the community, I can guarantee you the criminal element that is in his community is also receives that warning. 
He is not working with the authorities to stop that criminal element. He is actually working against the laws of the United States to bring in, to open the door so that criminal elements can easily come into the community. Estimates are that 38,000 are illegal or undocumented aliens that are in the federal prison systems. David Olin Cross does a lot of stuff. You can look him up. A lot of statistics that he gathers on, on this from the government statistics, looking at independent crime research that he does around Salem, Oregon. Cross reports that 47% of the criminal aliens in these jails are convicted of rape, sexual abuse, sodomy, and another 138 criminal aliens account for 14% of the total committed homicidal crimes. So what is that telling you? 138 homicidal crimes uh, that are committed by these criminal aliens. Again, the criminal homicidal actions that have not even decreased but are there in the community of uh, Oregon, especially around places like Portland, are related specifically to the increase in population. But the increase in population is related to sanctuary cities, homeless camps, excessive government benefits to people who know how to work the system, and they're coming into the to the area. We need to look at the fact that the reason Knudsen and his cohorts, he refers to them as cohorts, are able to get away with this, we cover this in the article, is because of the fact that Oregonians are not organized. And they're not organized in the way they were back in the 1990s when they, where they changed the Constitution of Oregon with Article 2, Section 22. We go through the whole history of that. They were organized enough to do that. They got the, there was an honest vote. They got that into place. People were not legally able to take money from out of the state to get elected. I mean, how many millions of dollars did these governor races that just were on in Oregon, how many millions of dollars came from outside the state by interests who wanted to control Oregonian government? With Article 2, Section 22, you had a way of preventing that, of stopping that. And actually removing governors and senators and congressmen and mayors because they were taking more than 10% of their funds from either outside the state or outside of the districts in which they were being elected. That was illegal. They could have been removed. That law was on in the Constitution. It was on the books. But nobody had the will to do anything about it. Oregonians lost the integrity that was once prevalent in Oregon to enforce the laws that they put into place because they had the social networks to make that happen. And now they find themselves with once more not with governors but with uh, kings and monarchs who keep taking these offices over and over again. And the the parties that they try to put into power to fight against the corruption, they themselves are corrupt. They were voting to allow most of them, seventy more than 70%, in some cases 80% of the people holding public office in Oregon just a few years ago held that office illegally. They were actually felons. They were committing felonies. They should have been removed from their office and actually charged with Class A felonies. But they weren't. Because the Oregonian people did not have the moral integrity, the understanding, they were ignorant, they were disorganized, and they were disorganized because of a practice that has come into Oregon, come into many of the other states, all over the United States, and many other countries, that degenerates the people, weakens the people, doesn't make them stronger, makes them weaker as a people, breaks down their families, makes them more vulnerable, less capable of organizing when abuses by the government takes place. And that factor that has come in that you must address if you want to stop the erosion of rights in Oregon, in the United States, and in the world today. 
And that is legal charity. Legal charity is the absolute degenerative factor in society. And Oregonians are not only ignorant of their rights and have a lack of knowledge, they are slothful in their responsibilities to guard those rights, their rights and the rights of their neighbor in Article 2, Section 22, which you could have stopped had you been organized, properly organized, properly educated. You could educate yourself if you were properly organized because we had all that information out long in advance. We presented it to people who said they wanted to protect the rights of Oregonians, uh, to protect Oregonians against the clear corruption that was coming into government, but they weren't willing to apply the law equally. They could have done that. Republican Party could have done that. But they did not have the moral integrity. They were slothful in the ways of righteousness and the weightier matters, what Jesus Christ called the weightier matters, which is law, judgment, mercy, and faith. They did not uphold their own laws and they allowed their constitution to be changed by probably a dishonest vote, certainly dishonest advertisement of what the measure that they put to a vote of the people and and did away with Article 2, Section 22, actually even applied a statute that said you can never change it again. That's probably illegal. But the reality is you have no means to fight it with because you've lost the moral integrity of a free society. You've lost the social bonds of a free society because since FDR, the New Deal, the uh, LBJ's war on poverty, since the churches no longer have a daily ministration to take care of the needy of society. Just 200 years ago, 150 years ago, all social welfare in the United States was provided to churches through what the churches called a daily ministration, what the Bible calls a daily ministration. It was done through charity. People need help from time to time. People need help, counseling help. People need financial help. Uh, people need protection uh, from you know criminal elements of society and we used to do that entirely through charity in America that is what made America great if you go read the whole article uh, the delusion and infested minds in Oregon uh, the fixing the fault you know the thinking in America has been altered over the years through the schools uh, as tools over the last century, uh, they've been altered by, like I say, the New Deal, the whole attitudes of people. And we can show you going back to early America, going back to early Europe, going back to prior to the Roman Empire. It was well known, well understood by the people that if you instituted legal charity, charity through men who exercised authority, one over the other, what the what Jesus refers to as benefactors who exercise authority, talking about the rulers of the world. We were not to go to them. That would be a covetous practice. He said it. Buddha said it. Alexis Tocqueville said it. This quote has been repeated over and over again by many presidential candidates, but they don't understand the wholeness of the quote. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world's commerce, because we were feeding the world during this period, 1850s, 1840s, and it was not there. In her dramatic Congress and her matchless Constitution, he talked about those things. Actually, the quote comes into some question, it's a very dramatic quote. We give the whole history of the quote on the page. You can go look that up. And But it was not there. It wasn't in the Constitution. It wasn't in Congress. This is not what made America great. The Bill of Rights was not what made America great. Americans are what made America great. And we weren't great all over America. Every American wasn't great. And he talks about that as well. But he says, Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with Righteousness, not self-righteousness like we see with Mark Newton, but real righteousness. Did I understand the secret of her genius and the power 
America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. But the modern American, the modern Oregonian, wants to think they're good because they go to a church. But the churches they go to do not take care of the needy of society through free will offerings. They take care of the needy of society like Newton does. He sends them to government agencies, to the men who exercise authority, to the rulers of the earth. The Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, it warns you about coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority. It says we're not to be that way. But you've gone that way. And your churches are not correcting this error. We quote a lot of other people, Adams, Ralph Waldo, Emerson, you know, they said democracy is morose and ruins and anarchy. America was a republic. Uh, but most Americans who go to public schools today do not even know the definition of a republic at the time of the American Revolution, at the time of the ratification of the Constitution. They don't understand. They think an indirect democracy is a republic. And now we have people running for office who want you to become a socialist democracy. But that's not what you want. That is what is weakening the people because that's what dissolves the social bonds of a free society. Socialism dissolves the bonds. That's why Karl Marx was so in favor of democracy because he knew it was the road to socialism. But the early American churches were referred to as embryonic republics. As a matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire where uh, Edward Gibbons talks about the church being a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. What is he talking about? It's church. You just go to church, right? It's not a republic. But if you know what a real republic is, what an embryonic republic is, then you'll have a different idea. But you don't know because you haven't been educated. Just like nobody told you that... Homicide rates are not up in relationship to population growth. They didn't tell you that we lumped all the suicides in with the homicide rates in order to get the rate up to only 13 per 100,000. Certainly not the major cause of premature death. I mean, what what is that statistic? Nobody even has that. Premature death, that's cancer. That's heart disease. That's all kinds of... Smoking kills more people. Every year in Oregon than guns. (laughs) What are you talking about? This is totally fabricated right before your eyes. Uh, You actually see them taking the rabbit out of their coat. (laughs) And you don't notice it because you're distracted. Because you're you're actually been subject to mass formation of psychosis. But that's another whole story that we don't have time to go into. But anyway, I'm, I wanted to put this together. Uh, I have a lot more stuff on, on the website. You know, changing the definition of democracy, republic, even changing the definition of religion. Because religion was the performance of a duty at the time that the Constitution was uh, signed and then eventually ratified. It, religion was how you took care of the needy. That's what it meant. That's even what it meant in the Greek. But today, religion is just what you think, what you feel. What you imagine in your head about a supreme being. Now, of course, if you actually knew Christ, if you actually knew, not an emotional knowing, but an actual knowing of Christ and God the Father, you would know that I'm not supposed to be asking men to go to my neighbor's house and force them to contribute to what I want. If I do that, I'm going to degenerate as a society. Historians tell you this. Philosophers tell you this. And we quote these people left and right. Benjamin Franklin told you this. It will weaken you as a people. And it will usher in socialism and communism. You know, Winston Churchill wrote that socialism is the philosophy of failure and the creed of ignorance and the gospel of envy. Its inherent virtue is equal sharing of misery. He went on to say, the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. If you didn't know that the murder rate has not gone up, if you didn't know that the vast majority of the deaths that they included in that gun violence was suicides, you would absolutely know that 
Suicides are not caused because you have 15 round magazines. This is totally a fiction. Totally a fraud. This entire trying to get it passed. But they got it passed. They got it passed. Maybe they they miscounted the votes. You'll never know. You'll never be able to find out. Because they already degenerated the social bonds of a free society for the last 50 to 100 years in Oregon, in the United States, and all over the world. You know, somebody, one of the gunsmiths told me he was going to move to Wyoming, you know, if he had to close down his business because he wasn't going to retire in Oregon. And we, we felt bad about that because he's a great guy. And uh, my son said, uh, that, yeah, we can't have everybody deserting us. Well, you know, in my looking up the statistics on suicides, we have a real high rate of suicide in Oregon. Wyoming, way higher than Oregon. <laughs> uh, ours is 20 point something. There's this 29 point something. Why is that? Why is so many people killing themselves in Wyoming? Uh, it's a beautiful place. No, the social movement of society is caused by parameters in society you can address as a people. But you have to come together and take back your responsibilities to one another. You have to care about my rights, my life, my children, as much as you want me to care about your life, your rights, your children. That is the gospel of Christ. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Not like Newton does. He doesn't love the people that will be killed by armed gang members. Uh, and I could go, you know, on the page, you can go and look up some of the crimes that have been committed by illegal aliens, by uh, what they call, you know, criminal aliens. Uh, we just showed you the, the numbers, 138 homicides by criminal aliens. Those are the ones they caught. That's another thing. The homicides, 81% not solved in Oregon. Why is that? Because the homicides are coming out of the homeless, undocumented people where you can't, you can't follow who they are. You have no idea how many undocumented people are in your state or in your country. And and I'm not a big one for documenting people. (laughs) But you could get to the same point where you will not have unsolved crimes in your community if you take back the responsibility. It isn't the responsibility of the police officers to catch all the criminals. It's your responsibility. And we even have a little section on militia. People don't understand the militia, what the militia was. Every able-bodied man between the ages of 17 and 45 is a member of the militia in, in Oregon, whether they sign anything or join anything or not by U.S. statute. But what did the militia used to do? Did it march around the woods with fatigues and take target practice all the time? Well, there were some guys that did target practice, but they built the schools. Most of the schools in America in the 1800s were built by private funds. Even the public schools were built by private funds. This idea of taxing one another was not a part of what Americans did. And Alexis Tocqueville goes into that. We don't have the time. But he goes in and points out that uh, they got together. And if they saw a need, if they saw a need for a school, for a hospital, for a prison, for a night watch, for whatever. They formed an association. They funded it through charity. Not legal charity. Fervent charity. Because they were cultivating those social bonds of caring about one another as much as you care about yourself. And if you don't do that, You will continue to lose your freedom. You will continue to lose access to your rights. You will forge the bars of your own prison by default. And now I know this is so different than most people are hearing. We tell, we, like I said, we have thousands of recordings and books for free. We show people how to, we show you how to form that network, but you have to do it. Somebody else isn't going to do it for you. And the more we seeing those rights eroded away, the more you have to come together in a free assembly where you actually love one another. That's 
what Christianity was. That's why Christians survived the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. You're seeing all the elements of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire today. They had their New World Order, their Pax Romana. They were doing. They they had their free bread and circuses, their welfare system. But the Christians had another system. You're going to need that. And we can show you how to do that. But we'll have to save it for another time. Until then, as Brother Gregory saying, peace on your house. And may God be with you. See you on the network. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.